Hi, listeners. Welcome to Grief Out Loud. Remember the last time you tried to talk about grief and then suddenly everyone left the room? Grief Out Loud is opening up this often avoided conversation because grief is hard enough without having to go through it alone. We bring you a mix of stories, tips for supporting children, teens, and yourself, and interviews with people working in the grief field. Platitude and cliche-free, we promise. Grief Out Loud is hosted by me, Jana DeCristofero, and produced by the Dougie Center for Grieving Children and Families in Portland, Oregon. As much as schools are places of learning, students don't leave their lives at the door when they enter the building. They bring their whole selves to the classroom, and for many of them, that includes grief. Have you ever had one of those moments when you get to your destination and then you have no memory of how you got there? Maybe the train or the bike or the car ride went by with you on autopilot, turning the wheel, finding your seat, and hopefully using your turn signals, but without being conscious of any of those actions because your mind was somewhere else. Maybe you were spinning on a fight you had with a family member or online with a stranger before you left your house, or perhaps you were thinking ahead to a meeting or an appointment. When something stressful occurs, it can rent out so much space in our minds that there isn't a lot left for anything else and especially new information. Imagine being seven and trying to learn math while also processing that your parent or sibling is dying of cancer. Imagine being a senior in high school and trying to graduate while also reeling from the news that your close friend was killed. Judy's house in Denver, Colorado, estimates that one in 15 children nationwide will experience the death of a parent or a sibling by the time they turn 18. With current classroom sizes, this means most teachers are going to have two to three students dealing with this type of grief at any time. Add in the students who are grieving the death or illness of another family member or friend, and that teacher might be facing a classroom with more than half their students dealing with some type of grief. How can teachers, administrators, and schools counselors best support these students and help them succeed in school while also processing their grief? Today's guest has over seven years of doing just that. Hi, Kate. Thanks for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. And Kate, before we jump into some tangible ways of supporting students in the school environment, can you tell us just a little bit about your role and who you work with and what you do? So I am a school social worker in Berkeley, California, and I work at a big public school um, that has about a 1,000 students. And as the school social worker... My job is to provide whole school intervention as well as group interventions as well as individual interventions. And then we also run many groups, like I said. So we do run um, various grief and loss groups and also support families as well. So as a counselor, I mean, you're working with so many students with so many different types of issues or challenges that they're facing. And, you know, it might be clear to some people that, you know, helping students are dealing with addiction or violence at home or depression or anxiety. Like, of course, those are things we need to be supporting. Why is it important for the school environment to have grief on its radar? So I've worked at a lot of different schools, elementary, middle, and high school. I think grief impacts everyone. Death impacts everyone. So regardless of your age, your socioeconomic status, any of those factors, student might be dealing with grief at any given time. And also because of that, you have students, they show their grief and externalize it. So it might be really big behaviors um, or they might internalize it. So they might sort of turn within themselves. And I think it's really easy to miss 
the actual function of those behaviors, whether it's externalized or internalized, often with grief. We don't think that our students really experience it or know what it is. But like you said, it's, um, it's everywhere, unfortunately, regardless of age. What are some of the ways that grief does show up? I know you mentioned sort of those behaviors, those externalized behaviors, or maybe some internalized shifts with emotions. What are some things that teachers and other counselors, administrators might be noticing in kids who are dealing with grief? Um, I think it's a range of things. So um, it could be we had a student once who was um, would have really big outbursts. So crying fits, would throw desks, would get really big, um, got pretty violent at times just in terms of processing their feelings, yelling, walking out of the classroom, but then also students who might shut down. They might put their hood up. They might put their head down on the desk. They might sort of tune out and seem like they're bored or not interested when really they're sort of being uh, taken over by their grief. And that's just the way that they can really just cope. And I know a lot of the the kids that we work with talk about how hard it is to concentrate, hard to remember classroom assignments, hard to follow what the teacher's talking about. Oh, yeah. Disorganization, forgetting class assignments. We've had students who say, like, I just can't I can't remember where I need to be, locker codes slipping their minds, things that they knew before that just in their grief, they just don't have any space for it in their brain at that moment. Also, students who will start just not showing up to school. So um, attendance also becomes an issue as well sometimes. And I think often, again, it's folks think that it's kids that are just disengaged with education or they don't care but really they're so overwhelmed by other things that are happening, overwhelmed by their grief that they just can't, they can't show up. Yeah. Overwhelmed. And then for some of them, I know taking on additional responsibilities at home, they're, like they don't have, like they feel like they don't have the time or the ability to go to school. Yeah. Yeah. I had a student um, recently say that they were really afraid to come to school because they were so concerned about the other parent at home. Their father had just died and they said, you know, I don't want to, go to school because I don't want to leave my mom at home alone and wanting to make sure they take care of their younger siblings. And So given all these pieces of grief that kids are bringing with them into the classroom or are carrying with them if they aren't able to get into the classroom, what are some like specific tangible ways that other school counselors or teachers can be a support or help kids navigate this? You know, I think that often our teachers are so bogged down with these long lists of things that they have to do, either for standards, district requirements, requirements from the school of like teaching to the book. So often I know folks feel like they don't have enough time in the day to uh, just give space and time for their students. But I think often what students have told me has been most helpful is to just have space and to have time to do the work. They, they want to complete the work. They want to be able to do the project, um, but they'll need a little extra time. Often I have students who are very stressed about getting their work done after a death in the family, that that will add another layer of stress. What teachers can do is just sort of, if they have the ability, take away deadlines of projects making things flexible, you know, complete this homework assignment whenever you're done or chunk up assignments as well. So just do the first part this week and focus on the second part next week. 
very clear and very tangible steps for the homework. I think also for school counselors, checking in with a student, especially after they come in on their first day, let's say there's been a death in the family and the student's been gone for about a week and the first day the student comes back, what I've had students share has been really helpful is when I, I ask them to come and meet with me and I check in with them and I acknowledge the death and I just offer my space and say, this is a space for you whenever you need it. I'm here to help you out. Um, here's a plan for if you ever need to take a break. But I think having the adults acknowledge it also can take a big weight off of the students' shoulders. And proactively initiating that, not waiting for the student to come to you or waiting for a, a problem to show up. Exactly. Proactively going straight to them, acknowledging it, sharing with them the space, checking back up with them every few days. One of the things I know can be so intimidating for people, and it is for me too, after working in this field for 16 years, is what words to say what words to use to acknowledge that? Like the first time you're seeing this student, they've come back to school, you know that their parent or their sibling has died. Can you give a quick example of what words you would use to actually acknowledge that? I think inviting the student in, sitting them down and saying, so I heard about what happened with your dad or saying something like, I met with your mom, sent me an email and shared that your dad passed away. And I just wanted to let you know that I'm here for you and that this is a space where we can meet, where you can talk, where you can sit on my couch and just read, where you can listen to music. But this is a space for you whenever you need it. So I think just acknowledging it really straight, straightforwardly. Um, I heard that there's been a death in the family and I want to let you know that I'm here for you. Yeah, so we can do that without the added, like, I'm so sorry for your loss or my grandma died too. You know, like all the ways that sometimes when we're feeling uncomfortable, we try to connect that can often create a disconnect. Totally. And I, and I definitely have to talk to myself in my brain, right? I have to talk myself down from saying, I'm so sorry, or can I give you a hug? Or I understand how that is, right? I think that's a natural drive to want to make that connection and to make the person feel better and maybe to make myself feel better. But I know that that's not helpful. Again, often I hear students saying, I don't know what to say when people says, I'm so sorry for your loss, or I don't want to hear about other people's losses. So I think really keeping it straightforward, acknowledging their experience, and then acknowledging what you can offer them. I've seen students, literally I've seen their entire bodies exhale when I mention the death and then mention what my role can be in supporting them. Yeah. Almost like, oh, thank you so much for doing this work. Yeah, like I know that you know and you know that I know and that's like enough. And we don't have to keep talking about it. You know, I think that that's a really important thing too of just sort of naming and offering a space and then just saying, what do you need in this moment? Um, I think also often asking students, what do they need? I think we assume, oh, here's some tissues or, oh, you can do this or if you're feeling sad, you can do this. I think just really giving young people the space to answer what they need because I think um, they'll be able to tell you. Even I'm in middle school now, but when I was in elementary school, when I would meet with students and I would mention, I said, you know, I heard about so-and-so's death and I'm here to support you, these kids' faces would light up. They would, they would be surprised and then they would realize like, oh, this is a place where I can talk about this person. 
And that felt really comforting for a lot of the little kids too. Yeah, I'm amazed sometimes how the youngest kids seem to know even more clearly than the older kids and adults what they need in the moment if they're just given that space and the opportunity to sort through for themselves. Like what would really help me, you know, as I'm getting ready to go back to my classroom? Absolutely. And I think that's another really important thing too, right? Is I think bringing the students as a school counselor, bringing the student in, inviting them to share whatever they want to share, acknowledging the death, but then also remembering you know, this isn't a clinic where then they're going to be able to go home and take a shower or read a book and unplug. We also are then sending them back into class where the expectation is that they're going to have to learn and, you know, be with their peers. And kids often want to be at school too after the death of a, of a loved one. They want to be here. They want to be with their peers. So I think that that's something that I've noticed different working in schools is also finding, I sort of call it like, opening the box and then putting the lid back on the box, really finding a way to support our students in then feeling like they can exit my room and enter a hallway of 300 of their classmates and feel not like they're wide open and and vulnerable, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's such a great image of helping kids to be able to do that with you, but then also modeling for them that they can do that elsewhere in their life. They Maybe they have a conversation with a friend and then they have to transition back into class or maybe they, on their ride into school, have a big conversation with a family member. Okay, how am I going to switch gears here and be in my learning mind? Absolutely. And it's a, a skill that is so important through, throughout life, right? Of like, how do you how do you switch? And we expect our students to be able to do that. And that's why I love my work and schools is because I can sort of help students in switching those hats at different times and give them some time and space that hopefully can make it a little bit easier for them to go about their day. One of the assumptions that we carry about grief is that it's different for everyone. And oftentimes that's thought of as, you know, who likes to talk about the person who died or who likes to be more private about it. But the other aspect of that is that we bring our full selves into our grief. And that includes everything that makes up our identity, our race, our culture, our sexuality, our our gender identity, our socioeconomic status, our religious and spiritual or not religious, not spiritual traditions. Working in the school that you work in, how, how do you navigate responding to kids in grief, knowing that who they are and their identity and their cultural backgrounds are so integrated with that grief and that grief expression? Yeah, that's a great question. Because I think, you know, being at a school with a thousand kids in, in a city that's incredibly diverse, we do have so many different, our students have so many different responses to all different things that have happened to them. And with grief, culturally, I think it's really important when we're also talking about grief is what are the family values um, and cultural values around grief and how you talk about a person after they've died or how you talk about death um, if someone has a long-term illness. Um, So I think what I often like to do is meet with the students individually before we put them in any groups. Um, If we are going to be doing a grief group and just checking in with them and saying, hey, how does your family talk about death? Um, What are the words that you use? Um, I've worked at some schools where for a lot of the families, they use the term passed away. Um, And then I work at other schools where for some families they use died or moved on, transitioned. I mean, I think even the word around how we acknowledge the death, I think that also 
really can make people feel connected or disconnected to wanting to talk about their grief. Have you run into students who maybe they have a particular family tradition or a cultural tradition about how grief is approached, but it doesn't really mesh with how they are personally grieving or wanting to express their grief? Have you had to help a student sort of maneuver through that? Yeah, I've had students who want to talk about the death and want to speak out loud about their grief and then their family values are, you know, we keep this within the family and we don't share it. And so when talking with students, you know, really exploring what that's like for them of like, well, what's it like to talk to me about this death? And then what's it like to go home and know that there is a different set of expectations around how you talk about this person or you talk about this illness. So I think it's really catering specifically to the students. I have the privilege of being able to have a space where I can meet one-on-one with students and really offer them um, an ear and offer them time, offer them the opportunity to sort of speak about their experience. Um, And then also talking with families. And also I think it's important to honor and respect the values that the family is bringing too. It's different, I think, with grades. So when I was in elementary school, we worked really, really closely with the families because, you know, I worked with kids who were six and seven and eight years old and worked with them in their grief. And then working in the middle school, we're working with kids who are 12, 13, and 14 years old. They're really focusing on individuating and, and separating themselves from their parents. I talked with this one girl. She was a first grader. Her father had just died. I had called mom and let her know that we were going to be running a group and seeing if she would give consent for her daughter to join. And she said, well, I don't know if my daughter will talk about it. I'm, I'm, she doesn't talk about it at home. I don't think she wants to talk about it. And I opened the, uh, I said, okay, well, do you mind if I just invite her? And mom said, yeah, you can try. The day for the group comes and the girl enters the, the counseling room. And I said, and we're here and you know we're going to be talking about people, special people in our lives who have died. And, and she just stopped me and she said, my dad said, yeah, we're going to be talking about, you know, your dad and we're going to be remembering him and playing different games and talking about the whole experience. And she just smiled and she's like, I never get to talk about my dad. I finally get to talk about him. And this is a girl who really came off as super quiet. I mean, even before her dad's death, you know, she was super quiet and would, you know, wasn't very effusive or anything like that. And where I really see her light up is around being able to talk about the death of her father, which I think, again, as an adult, we assume that it will make kids feel really sad, um, especially in a school. We don't want to upset them. So we tiptoe around these things. But really, it's um, we're honoring the students and we're honoring their families when we can provide space for the kids to talk about it. That's amazing what, what the invitation can lead to. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. We've talked a lot about kind of that individual way of approaching a student who's experienced a death or bringing a group of students together who have experienced deaths of family members. Have you had an experience where you had to respond as maybe a full school to the death of a student or the death of a teacher? Yes. We had a teacher who died who was a kindergarten teacher at the elementary school I used to work at. And I, I remember getting the call from our principal it was a Sunday and she, she called me and she said, you know, this, this person died in a car crash and I, I don't know what to do. And she goes, I don't know what to do because I'm so sad. And I also don't know what to do because I'm afraid of how it's going to impact our students. So it was a really, 
really pretty intimate sort of process because it was both supporting um, our students, but then also our staff who were, was this person's coworker um, in the grief. And as we all know, kids are sponges too. So sort of finding this balance of how to support staff in their grief um, while also supporting staff and being able to show up for their students, while also supporting students. That weekend I worked with the principal we ensured that there was going to be a counselor on site specifically just for the staff. So if at any point they needed to go and do their own check-in, they, they had a, an adult therapist on site. And then we also held a whole school like advisory. So each classroom, we, we always did morning messages. That's a, that was a big part of the school. And so every morning the classes would sit down together. They would talk about the theme of the week or any announcements and I helped craft sort of the, what the morning message was going to be and made sure that it was also sort of age appropriate because kindergarten to fifth grade is a pretty broad range of students and their understandings of, of death. And so shared the information that this teacher had died that weekend because also the death was um, all over the news. And so the community already knew about it when a lot of the students already knew about it when they were coming to school on Monday. So really wanting to make sure like we couldn't ignore it that makes sense. We had to really address it again, similar to how we address death with our students individually. We had to address it as a whole school. And try to get maybe everybody on the same page with the same story. Exactly. Exactly. Because kids will just start telling different stories and talking about it. And we wanted to sort of be the, the conveyors of the information to ensure everyone got the same message. Um, and then we um, had a few counselors come from another school as well. And we set up different rooms where we had different activities and art projects and books and coloring. And at any point during the day, we sort of allowed students to come in and out of these these break rooms to really process and check in or just, you know, almost uncheck in, if that makes sense, like just have a place <laughs> to sort of sit and tune out. And so we did the morning message. We, sh- we told them about the different rooms that were going to be available um, and then held throughout the day. And actually, I think throughout the week, almost like mini grief groups. Because what also happened, and often what happens with grief, is one person's grief will, or one death will sort of bring up feelings around that specific death, but then also will bring up other experiences of grief in the past. So students who didn't even know this teacher would be coming to the circle room saying, this reminds me of when my grandmother died, or this reminds me of when my mom died, or so yeah, so that was, and, and then also we did send a letters home to the families as well and offer resources. Cause again, it's sort of like that ripple effect of who's impacted. And that's such an important point because it seems like often if there is a death that's maybe affecting the whole school, students and or teachers can be sort of taken off guard or surprised or a little like skeptical of like, why is this student having such a hard time? They didn't even know that teacher or that other student, but to recognize that the the grief can just light up all of our other experiences with loss. A- absolutely. And I think that is both for that whole school intervention, but I think also when we work in any schools, you know, we might have a student who might lose someone and they might be friends with someone else and they might tell them and their friend might then, like you said, to use your words, like be lit up with their own grief is lit up. Having that empathy, I think, as also as educators and that curiosity is really important too, because often we just sort of place, oh, well, they should be feeling this or they shouldn't be impacted by this, or I don't know why they're having such a big reaction to this. I've heard that from a lot of 
educators, both counselors and teachers, and just sort of realizing that we don't know someone's history and we don't know what will sort of light that grief up. You mentioned earlier, Kate, about when you're getting ready to meet with a student that you have to remind yourself, like, I don't have to fix this. I don't need to make this better. I just need to be present and acknowledge it, which, you know, takes a lot of self-awareness, which is such an, a great skill to bring into any interaction. What other challenges do you find personally as a school counselor supporting students and teachers in grief? It's hard to see people in pain. I mean, it's hard to see all that our students have to do in a day, right? I'm able to see these students on the playground, and I'm able to see them at PE, and I'm able to see them in band, and then back in science, and just sort of personally for me is that it's it weighs heavy on my heart sometimes when I know that our students just have so many things going on, um, and, and the weight of their grief is so heavy, and yet they have to keep going. And that's also, I think, like the beautiful part too, right? Is that we just have to keep going. But it is hard for me sometimes, or a lot of the times, you know, um, after having like a really intense conversation with a kid, then sending them out to PE, and then seeing them at lunch, and just sort of like not going, I guess not projecting my own feelings onto what they might be feeling. So having to have that awareness of sort of the collective weight of, everything that your students are going through and how that can weigh on you. How it can weigh on me and how I can really create a narrative in my mind of what they are feeling and what they're going through when that's definitely probably not the case when they have their own narrative. So I think just slowing down and trusting that the students will get and are getting what they need and that I can offer what I can offer and support them and knowing that they have lots of other also avenues of and supports. I think knowing that I'm not going to be the only one that's going to be able to support them and that maybe a coach or a teacher also is someone that they feel connected to. So Kate, as we come to the end of our conversation, I'm going to end with maybe what we could have started with, which is what drew you to this work in the first place? Um, yeah, I, I was pretty nervous to work with grief. I was working mainly in elementary schools in the first part of my career. And there was this one little girl whose dad had been killed actually a few days after he had gone on this class field trip. Um, he had chaperoned and I was like, Oh, I don't know how I'm going to talk to her about it. And I don't know what to say. I'm going to say it all wrong. I don't want to upset her. And we had another boy, a third, he was a third grader at the time. So it was a first grader and a third grader. And his father um, had died that summer. So we had a group and I remember we we're like, okay, it's just going to be a 10 week group and we'll just sort of see, see what happens there after their first meeting, they were just so elated that they were able to talk about their dads and that this was a space that they could share memories and share questions and also just share experiences with not, I mean, not with me, but with one another at the end of every group, we would ring a bell and they would send heartful thoughts to anyone in their life. And I remember after the first session, we rung the bell and everyone would go around and they said their names and they said other family members. And then the boy said, you know, I send a heartful thought to this girl's father. And then we rang the bell and then the girl said, I send my heartful thoughts to this boy's father. And I remember I just got tingles of just being like, oh gosh, they can be supports in this process so much more powerful than 
anyone else. So um, we were going to just have it be a 10 week group and they wanted to keep doing it. So they actually did it. They met weekly for two years. And so that sort of showed me the importance of not only doing grief work in schools, but doing group grief work. Because when you have a peer who's gone through a similar experience, you, you feel more connected and seen and supported. And I love that a group can be three. That's fantastic. Yes, a group can be three. <laughs> well, Kate, I want to thank you for taking time at the end of what I imagine was a, a busy school day for you to talk with me and to share some really great insights for other school counselors and teachers and administrators who are faced with how do I support these students in grief? Yeah, of course. Well, thanks so much. It was um, a pleasure and an honor to talk about talk about this. And for listeners out there, I want to share a new resource with you that is um, at this, at, when you're listening to this episode may already be up online, but if not, it will be very soon. We have an online community and school toolkit, which will be, you can get to it on our website, dougy.org, but it will also have its own uh, website, which is the tdcschooltoolkit.org. And on that, you'll find lots of resources you can read, things you can watch, and things you can listen to, including probably a little clip from this podcast. So if you want to hear any of our past episodes, you can find us at dougy.org or any other place that you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Hope you'll join us again next time.